Support for On Being with Krista Tippett comes from the Fetzer Institute, helping build the spiritual foundation for a loving world. Fetzer envisions a world that embraces love as a guiding principle and animating force for our lives, a powerful love that helps us live in sacred relationship with ourselves, others, and the natural world. Learn more by visiting Fetzer.org. I'm Krista Tippett. Up next, my unedited conversation with live music with singer-songwriter Craig Minowa and the band Cloud Cult. There is, as always, a shorter produced version of this wherever you found this podcast. Hi. Thanks for being here. Oh, my love, 
When they come to take me, I will hold you from above. I don't know why we're here, and I don't know how, but I'm here with you now. I am here with you now, cause you were born to make this right, cause you were born to change this life, cause you were born to chase the light, cause you were born.
So you've been the soundtrack for my life for weeks now. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking you to the gym. You've been in the car with me. You've been here at work. My, yo I invited my yoga teacher, who's played you during our yoga class. And now here you are in my space, and it's just so beautiful. Oh, thanks, Krista. Yeah. It's, it's an honor to be here. Well, so I'm glad you didn't wear shoes. I was going to say, I read in my preparation that you like to play without shoes. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know this is a shoe optional workplace. I appreciate and that. And so you fit right in. <laughs> Anyone else can take off their shoes as well. <laughs> I'm wearing shoes tonight because we have company. Um, <laughs> but um, would you just introduce everybody? So they're now sitting on one of these sofas, which I don't know, you can't imagine. We, we actually work here by day, and we moved all the desks out. They're downstairs. But we do have the sofas out. And so I'm so happy you guys can sit on our comfy sofa. Do you want to just sure. introduce everybody? Yeah, over here closest to us is Sean Neary. And he uh, plays, they all play so many instruments, but he plays banjo and trombone and glockenspiel and bass and, and sings. And uh, next to him is Sarah Perbix. And she plays keyboard and French horn and trumpet. And next to her, we have Jeremy Harvey. He is our drummer and also glockenspiel player. And Daniel Zamzow is over there. He plays cello and... <laughs> And, and the dobro. And Shannon Fried Rubin is over there. She plays violin. And then the love of my life, my wife, Connie Minua, is over there. She paints live on stage for our shows and okay. sings. Okay. Welcome. Um, my band is here tonight, too. Uh, I can't see them all, but I'm just going to, all of our producers, and I actually wrote everybody's name down so I didn't forget anybody because I didn't see them. Lily Percy and Chris Hegel, who you worked with, and mm -hmm. Trent Gillis, Mariah Helgeson, Annie Parsons, Marie Sambale, Maya Terrell, Asil Zaran, 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 Bethany Klecker, our newest uh, team member, Selena Carlson, our great intern, Tess Montgomery, and Mari Jensen is assisting with house engineering, and everybody is here tonight because they want to be. Oh, so. fantastic. <laughs> So, um, so you grew up in Oatana, mm -hmm. which is famous for a beautiful bank, right? That's true. An architecturally exquisite bank. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> is that something that one appreciates as a child growing up in Oatana? Uh, I, I don't think so. Actually, I think the thing that really re resonated more was uh, there's a place called Mineral Springs, and there's a myth there that the, the water that comes out of those rocks is is magical water from the, the native people that lived there before mm -hmm. cite this as a fountain of youth and a fountain of, of, of magic. And uh, that's where the youth gathered. That's cool. And was there, um, would, how would you talk about the religious or spiritual background of your childhood? Uh, I was raised in a, 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 a very devoutly practicing uh, Lutheran family. Um, it was the kind of practicing that was, you know, every every service and vacation Bible school and and 
volunteering for the church. So, you know, you're going in early, you're um, volunteering for a Sunday school and making making meals if it's the Easter brunch. And uh, uh, my, my parents were very involved with the church, uh, serving on the board and... And uh, it was our community, you know, those were, those were our closest friends growing up. And uh, that, that practice was ingrained in me very deeply and, and, and beautifully. Um, and in different ways, with my dad, it was, it was that this is, this is what we do, this is what we're supposed to do. And with my mom, it felt like she, she was passionately in love with with her, with her belief system and the kind of thing of where, you know, it's Easter morning for whatever reason, uh, daylight savings time is happening at the time, so you gotta wake up really, really early. And as kids, we kind of realized like, okay, we're gonna have to go to the early service at six and then volunteer wow. to work at the breakfast and then do the Sunday school and then the late service and get up an hour early to do that. But my mom was a real deal, like she, would wake up, you know, it's four o'clock in the morning, and we would hear, wake up, kids, today is the day the Lord has risen. <laughs> and she's so joyful about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, it was beautiful, beautiful yeah. to be, and, and the same kind of thing, like on Good Friday, that she wept openly in church. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, I also read somewhere that your mother said of you, Craig was early on interested in the stars. <laughs> Yeah. And I think this, there's some star imagery in, I would say, your adult spirituality that's evolved. Yeah, it's kind of stuck around as far as lyrically, and, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very entranced by the, the big, mighty universe out there. And yeah, when I was really young, I was kind of an, an astronomy geek. You know, all my friends were into football and trading football cards, and I was into memorizing the diameter of the planets and doing mm. extra credit reports. Mm. And <laughs> I used to sign my name, Craig, future astronomer. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In some ways, yeah, it stuck around through the music. What was the thing that happened today? Did anybody, so they, two black holes collided, and part of Einstein's theory that had never been proven is now proven. And it's something about, what is it? Gravitational waves, oh. they saw them for the first time. Really? Yeah, today. Wow, we were so busy today, we didn't we, get to see we it. Didn't yeah. <laughs> There's true. so much happening. There's so much discovery in the yeah. world of physics right now that is just mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Um, so you, you, were, you were not born with the name in Minoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, was, what was the name you were born with? Richardson. Okay. So it's that, that's part of my middle name now. And Connie's last name was Staska. And when we got married, we wanted to... Uh, so Latin American tradition of preserving both sides of the family. So you kind of scoot your last name into your middle name. And that way you sort of you have the fraternal and maternal side of the family still in your name. So we scooted those together together and and uh chose the name Minua for yeah. ourselves and how and what did this what does this name mean to you um it's Anishinaabe and uh it means moving voice um and 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 change and uh for us uh it we have always had a very 
even though we don't know, you know, as far as our lineage goes, we've always had a very strong connection to uh, Native American religions and um, uh, Native American communities in general, not only spiritually, but through environmental work that Connie has done. Um, so it being such a huge part of our lives and a huge resonance within us, um, was sort of bringing, bringing that on. Mm-hmm. And to, what does it mean? Sorry, did you say that? What is the word? Mo- moving voice. Moon? Mo- moving voice. Moving or, voice. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I feel, I feel like we come from this land, we walk this land where all of those ancestors of different lineages walked, but their energy is still here uh, in a space where there is no time and all time is happening at once. You can, I, we can feel them regularly being here with us and em, empowering us through the music and um, through our life choices and, and, and everything. And it's been a huge, huge thing this year too, actually, uh, we have um, 30 acres out in Wisconsin. Yeah. And I go back into the woods back there to do the lyric writing and just kind of sit and wait and try and let things distill. And there's a spot that I've always gone to that is, is kind of my, my safe spot. You know, I'm, I'm all away from the world and, and I can sit there and meditate and just wait for, wait for things to come. And over this last year, we've had a couple of um, experts come out that have looked at that spot. There's there's uh, these mounds right there, and it's looking like those might be uh, burial mounds. Mm. An old witness, big old witness tree that's bent right by it. But just the feeling of sitting there now, and so many so many times of sitting there of looking for insight from those old spirits that are still still here. Um, and to recognize that, whoa, the, yeah. <laughs> this is really a special spot. Yeah. But that ties back into this long, long tradition of um, appreciation towards those native religions. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, I, I, was, I, I think people have trouble um, classifying cloud cult, both the the group and the music and. Um, I don't know, I, I thought this phrase got maybe as close as I would get to saying orchestral rock collective. I mean, what do you call it? Do you, do you have a term or does, does that not matter to you? Uh, yeah, it's tough because the, the songs vary a lot. There's a lot of intention in making sure that the albums flip through genres. Um, you know, it's a lot like tuning into the radio, a DJ is not going to just sit on one really specific genre. They're going to mix it up, and, and it, that keeps the listener entertained. So from the get-go, there was intention of approaching albums on that level of, okay, I just felt that, and I heard this instrumentation. Now I want to feel something different and have oh. a slightly different instrumentation and keep that mix going enough so that... Um, now that we're in this digital age of flipping through yeah. the iPod and just picking out the singles that hopefully people would stay with uh, the album as a whole. But orchestral indie rock, experimental, I don't know, bananas. 
<laughs> yeah. And you're so beloved um, by your fans and, um, and celebrated at this point. And, but like, like every overnight sensation, um, you had a, a decade or two kind of in the shadows, right? Um, it's interesting how we, we tell the story of the great success. And I mean, I, I saw you I was, when I was getting ready to interview you. You were on stage being interviewed in Colorado, and I guess you were part of a great festival center stage, but you were talking about how you'd first been there busking on the streets and just making money to kind of spend the night somewhere and keep eating. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a, a very long road. I I, I feel like uh, it's such a competitive field that you have to inherently just love it yeah. in order to survive and and so you just you put up with the long years of nobody really paying attention and and you just keep doing it because because of that inherent love and you know those first first few albums um there really wasn't ever a thought that it was going to go anywhere and it wasn't actually even a goal because um the the stage is an area that i am not i've historically not felt comfortable i i'm i really like to compose and write and be in that sacred space but i'm not i'm not a limelight lover mm-hmm. <laughs> so but it comes with the with with the territory so i'm i'm thankful for the ritual of performance and mm. and the ceremony that we can do when that is happening but uh yeah i the the for the longest time it was really just doing it for the love of it and quite obsessively yeah, yeah. so i think mark wheat is a friend of mine and i think a friend of yours and i know he's a friend of your work and um and he wished he could have been here tonight but he's on air mm-hmm. um and um he wrote the foreword to this biography mm-hmm. chasing the light and uh, he and he writes about hearing uh who killed puck your album in 2001 and, and he wrote I remember thinking it was brilliant and beautiful, but had no chance of being a success. Minna was seemed so open and vulnerable that I thought the business would eat him up and spit him out in no time. <laughs> it was very close. It's been very close to that many times. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very tough business, and you know, uh, uh, we started our own record label in order to to be able to practice all of the ethics that we feel. Um, I went to school for environmental science because I wanted to do something good for the planet and leave it being in a better spot than if I hadn't been here. And uh, so when the first album was finished, uh, Who Killed Puck, there was the realization of now I have to, now we're starting a business. You know, we need to manufacture these and all these, all these sort of ethical uh, platitudes that I had before, as far as like down with this business and down with this business, I'm, I was stepping into the business shoes and it realized like I have to, for for the love of ethics, I have to practice everything that I feel, hold to be to be true and and honest and right, and there wasn't any. Uh, there wasn't any uh, companies out there replicating CDs in ways that felt like it would be the right thing to do. And uh, 
so we just kind of had to start from scratch and and uh, develop our own way of making CDs and uh, and also living on the land. Uh, yeah, yeah, living on the land at the same time and yeah. Uh, yeah, and figuring out how to ship them too. Initially, like we shipped that we would gather dried leaves from the land really? out back and we'd pack <laughs> it in that and and I felt like oh this is going to be you know it's not only the most environmentally friendly but it just feels so sacred to send off our our babies in these leaves and boy <laughs> got some vicious le- letters back from <laughs> people in the music business so just i opened the box and a bunch of dirt fell out i don't even want to listen to it <laughs> but we kept going and kept doing what we needed to do and we still are i think it tempers our our growth overall but that's okay mm. So in in 2002 in February um a year after that who who killed Puck album um your son Caden didn't wake up one morning and um it uh it seems like you know you you poured your grief into music but I don't know if that's how you would say it um there was definitely an incredible connection you made between grief and music. I mean, how would you start to talk about that connection? Yeah, I, uh, I really just didn't want to go out into the world at all. We had a little farm out in Hinkley, and all I wanted to do was go down in the basement and play recordings of him and play music at the same time and if I did that if I did that long enough I I would feel like I was with him again and that was the only way that I could feel like I was with him again and so um, I did that pretty obsessively for a a very long time Um, and it was there wasn't there wasn't any intention of creating a project out of it. It was just personal medicine, and uh, you you use that phrase "music as medicine." Had you thought of music as medicine before that? Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always it's saved saved me so many times, and I think it's such an important thing to push to our youth who have um, you know hormones flying through, and then they need they need things like that. But yeah, no, it's 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 always felt like that something very very spiritual and sac- sacred. Um, I if you if you look at the the history of music, for the vast majority of time, people have used music as as medicine or as a connection to the divine. And just as a very, very sacred tool. And um, and I don't want to, I think sometimes when I talk about like pop music and and, and that I can come across as sounding like a Scrooge or something like, you just, you have to do it sacred otherwise it's, but I I think there's a place for the the really light stuff and and there's a place for the, the, the highly intentioned stuff and I've been always very attracted to the highly intentioned and so at that time um, 
I needed that highly intentioned connection to the divine and personal medicine aspect of music more than anything. And so it was very obsessive. There'd, there'd be weeks that I wouldn't have to leave the house. I was fortunate to have a, a day job at the time that I worked remotely um, mm. uh, as an environmental scientist for the or Organic Consumers Association. And um, so I wouldn't have to go anywhere <laughs> at all. Well, you recorded like over 100 songs, right? Dur yeah, over the, over the course of a year, yeah. Mm. Uh, and they have, um, they have those, they have this, some of them have the sound of Caden's voice in them. Mm. And, and they, I'd say they have you grieving in them, right? Mm -hmm. you are crying and mm -hmm. talking and um, it's incredibly raw. Mm -hmm. It's really painful to listen to. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't imagine what it was like to make that music. It all was very... I approached it on a very authentic snapshot kind of level. Like, I, I am a true believer in, in the energy and intention that uh, is being put into a song at the same time as it's being recorded or performed. Um, and so a, a completely polished performance in a studio that didn't have the gut-wrenching feeling behind it has, has, has a lot of insignificance to me in comparison to something that might be rougher but has that the energy of intention and authenticity in it. And so I, the, those first few albums I really approached as this is a snapshot in the studio, this is what I'm feeling right now, and I could relay this track and, and sing it so much prettier, but I know what I was feeling at that point in time, and that, yeah. that's, that's, the keeper, that's the keeper track. But again, I mean, there wasn't, there wasn't ever an, an intention that with that. It was, it was friends that came to me and said, there, you, you have some songs here that you could put together. Really? So put it out. was kind of after the fact that there was the idea to turn it into an album. Right. Well, I mean, there was a Who Killed Puck before that, and there was nobody, you know, gave that a nod. So I think there's always like a part of the self that's like, well, I'm creating this to finish it album it's, but it's a small thing it's more like uh you have to give yourself an uh legitimate excuse for the ridiculous number of hours that you're putting into something like yeah but, <laughs> yeah. but no it, it it really came down to friends pushing me to put it out there and so that's do you, where do you listen to those songs now I, uh, I, I, very, very rarely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it would be hard for any of us uh, to have that kind of record. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know what an equivalent would be in mm -hmm. music or some equivalent of that kind of dark mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I listened to it. And, and for the most part, the songs from those earlier albums are uh, not an option for set lists now. Yeah. We did, we did them during sets for, for years, and, and they were a way on stage to connect with Caden, too, that I felt, I felt like as soon as we were up there and you were playing and you could get into that spot through the music that I could feel his soul join me on stage by the end of the set. And I felt for years that if I left the stage and I hadn't gotten that deep 
enough to feel his presence by the end of the set that I didn't do my job that night. Um, um, I still, I still feel that, but in ways of where it's more uh, not exclusive. Like uh, Cedar Falls last week, I felt my grandma mm. there with me, and 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 then we have a story shared um, from fans and supporters of people that they've lost, and yeah. I feel like the whole ceremony is an opportunity to raise the ghosts and mix them around in a celebration. There, yeah, it's it's pretty astonishing um, to read what people write from hearing the songs that people respond with inc- completely directly and intimately to your loss um, because it turns out that loss that everybody has mm. there has loss. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I, I you've read you know they've 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 lost in all kinds of ways all kinds of people relationships mm-hmm. um i mean this was one i wrote down somebody who wrote i came across this band shortly after i tried to kill myself and the song thank you reached into my soul and planted a seed of hope a hope that life could be beautiful that song was the first turning point of healing for me and since then cloud cults music has continued to change and heal me and there are like thousands of variations on that theme. Um, I wonder, was that a discovery for you to, to, I mean, out of your loss to look up and see that everywhere in the world? And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, like I said early on, it was a personal medicine, but then people started coming to shows that had similar loss of initially it was people that had lost children as well yeah. and that they found comfort in, in, in that music. And as time went on, you know, then there's more people that were coming with different for different reasons, you know, struggling with addiction or, or depression, things like that. And then that's where I realized that, you know, flashback to when I was in college and trying to decide what I was going to do for a major. And I remember being in the woods and feeling like I need to decide between music composition and, and environmental science and sitting out there meditating and waiting and ultimately feeling I, I want to leave this place better. Music feels kind of, um, too selfie and, um, I could do good with the environmental science. So at this this point now, flashing ahead, where people are finding um, finding something good in it, and I feel like I I could I could do good with this. I could continue continue to to do this, and that's that's where things started to shift. But it's also very important at that time to realize like that I needed to continue. The authenticity and and continue the humility and understand that when people are coming with those stories uh, of struggles that they've overcome and <clears throat> sharing it in a way where they are honoring the band and the music, I recognize wholeheartedly that has very little to do with us and that we're a reflection, there's something in this that they're able to see deeper parts of themselves and all of that energy and power of healing and overcoming and 
and hope is coming out of out of them. And yeah, you get to you get to t- you get to let it in, right? But mm. you get to let it go through right. you as exactly. well. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. The biggest destroyer of good art is ego, and ego runs rampant in this industry, and for good reason. I mean, get to be in the limelight, yeah. and if if you enjoy that, then that can then blow up your head and then suddenly you lose track of what what you're doing in the first place so i'm lucky to be super self-conscious and (laughs) yeah 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 and maybe i don't know i you and connie have been through a lot obviously and i don't know either one of you but she probably keeps you honest too. She's really good at that. Yeah, she's the best team member. Um, yeah. So, you know, I was thinking, um, and you have two other children now, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised when I was reading your story and listening to the music. And, you know, you have, again, you hear Caden's voice, and I've seen pictures of him. You have films of him that come out in films about the band. and. Um, Two years old, right? A two-year-old is such an amazing, you know, still so tiny and, but, um, but so incredible. Mm. And I was thinking about one of the earliest, earliest shows we did, like, oh my gosh, um, <laughs> uh, literally before, before, it was way before On Being, I mean, it was when I was doing pilots, it was called Children and God. Mm. And... Um, and I interviewed Robert Coles, who wrote The Spiritual Life of Children, a mm-hmm. psychiatrist, and, um, and also this woman named Diane Comp, who was a pediatrician, and she actually worked with dying children. Mm. Um, but I heard in that time, and also I had young children at that time, this, there's this old, there's this Hebrew proverb, and I think there's actually an Islamic version of this too, that before a child is born, the angel Gabriel tells them everything, all the secrets of the universe, and then kisses them on the forehead, and they are born, and they begin to forget. Hmm. I think I had this feeling, and I, I don't know, I saw it in these pictures of Caden, right? And I, I, you had this feeling with children like they do know things, like mm. them, they're closer mm-hmm. to God or whatever God is. Mm-hmm. And they just kind of embody that mystery, and you just wish they had the words to tell you mm-hmm. the secrets they know. And you also see them growing and becoming more like us. And um, but then also the fact that that's all of us, right? Like we all, the child in each of us, and so that's all part of our story. And you talk a lot about moving through that loss and through that grief as kind of a rebirth. This doesn't really sound like a question. I just want to tell I think you it's all lovely. it, right? What? <laughs> I'm just engaged. <laughs> oh, wonderful, Krista. Um. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? I mean, I don't. Yeah, it makes it makes beautiful sense. I totally agree. And uh, I, with Caden and with our kids now, uh, we're asking what they're dreaming. You, uh, you, know, yeah. you just know that they're connecting in a way that that censorship hasn't stepped in yet, and yes. that mo- all that modeling hasn't stepped in yet. And actually, the 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 n- new album that we're just releasing yeah. is really about really about that adult reclaiming that child inside that 
can believe in magic and connect to things in a way that it doesn't have all the cynicism that we all end up... And knows things, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Caden had a look in his eyes of that he knew. <laughs> well, every, every parent knows. They look at, at their one-year-old, two-year-old, six-year-old, whatever, and yeah. know that, oh, you know way more than I understand, you know. <laughs> yeah. And it is, it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I was so happy you started with um, the song, You Were Born Tonight. And um, I mean, I, I, I just, I love that so much. When did you write that? That was for Novar. Uh, after Caden had passed, Connie and I went through uh, grieving for a few years and then spent time rebuilding our relationship and trying to get to a point that we felt like we could um, we could have the strength to, to have a child again. And we were lucky to be able to do that. And uh, before Nova was born, uh, I re- we finished the Light Chasers album, and that was a song written specifically for him. Mm-hmm. For Nova? Mm-hmm. Before he was born? Mm-hmm. I like that. That's that Einsteinian view of time looping around. And mm-hmm. That that yeah, that looping of time or lack of time is is all over the place in there. And in fact, uh, yeah, it was a uh, yeah. There's there's a whole lot of a lot of uh, intention on not getting too caught into the illusion of time. And I think. Uh, the presence of of Caden is only possible with that recognition that time doesn't actually exist on a level of quantum mechanics. Hence, when this illusion of the physical universe dissipates, or you know, we fold back into dark energy, or whatever the case is, I know that the mo- all those moments that we had with him, they are forever. And this moment with you right now is forever. Every moment is forever. And that, that uh, intention on timelessness at this point in time is, is huge in our lives. You know, Einstein said um, that our perception of time as an arrow moving forward, past, present, future, is a stubbornly persistent illusion. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were referring mm-hmm. to that quote. Exactly. Such, yeah. 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 I, uh, yeah, we blend a lot of quantum physics into our philosophies and in our in our music, and and I am I am an absolute lover of the fact of or the idea of timelessness and formlessness. Mm-hmm. I think somewhere you you said that um, in that depth of grief, you what did you say? You lost. Uh, you gave up on after Kaylin died. You gave up on God and turned to science. And discovered magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, I. There's so much to be said about a belief system and what kind of reality that sculpts for a person. Uh, I, I like I said earlier, it was was raised in that Lutheran church, but um, it was when I was 16, and I bought my first car. It was Easter Sunday, and I had worked the night before till close. And it would be absolutely uh, out of order in my family to not go to church on Easter Sunday. And 
but I had been up late working the night before. I was supposed to meet my family there, and I, I drove the car, and instead of turning to go to church, I turned and went to the woods. It's a big public woods that was there in Owatonna, and I sat out there, beautiful spring morning, everything coming to life, and and had an, a, a, a religious experience that I hadn't ever felt within those four four walls of the church and magic was reborn in me and I you know it, it wasn't any setting any shutting any doors or setting anything apart I mean Jesus spent his time praying in the garden of Gethsemane and there's just there's something to be said about stepping out into the wilderness and just letting letting those constructs of the mind disappear and reawakening to the fact that it is an incredibly complicated, mysterious, and beautiful universe. And I can't put my finger on it. I can't name it. I can't classify it. I can't put it in a box. So right now I'm just going to lay back and be in awe. And maybe that's something that we all need to practice a lot more, which is the child in us. Yeah. I do want to say, though, you know, your mother... On Easter Sunday, that you know insistence every year at mm-hmm. Easter that Christ is risen today mm-hmm. is that same. Mm-hmm. Is that same? It's 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 a it's it's um. It expresses what quantum physics tells us now, in such an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, we the physical aspect of the universe that we can somewhat classify is 2%. The other 98%, we don't know. But all the physical form manifests out of that. How much does belief and dream have power over manifesting that, that, that energy into form and creating our reality? Um... Let's see. Oh, I want to do my radio thing. I'm Krista Tippett, and this is On Being. Today, I'm with Craig Minowa and the band Cloud Cult at the On Being studios on Loring Park in Minneapolis. So let's talk about some of your lyrics, which are so beautiful. Thank you. You're a poet. Um, Actually, this follows on what you were just saying. Uh... So you have, so in Breakfast with My Shadow, which is another, there's really so many wonderful songs, so many wonderful songs in your repertoire. Thank you. Um, but Breakfast with My Shadow is one I really like. Um, but if, I'm just saying, if I started going on, I'd like I'd have to list 35 that I really like. Mm. Um, so so you so here are two questions: Can you fall in love with the things you only know, the things you may never touch? Uh, another question: If I truly believe that things can change. Will I wake up to something different? I just want to know where you came out on those questions. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but also, would you explain? I like. I think I get this, but I'd like to know how you explain. Can you fall in love with the things you only know, the things you may never touch? What's that about? I think that that is so much about so much of our re- reality uh, when if we're if 
as, as a band, our, our, one of our recurring themes is that philosophical search for the divine and the connection to, to God, however you want to define that, and, and that true source out there. And it's something that we're never going to be able to wrap our heads around. And we'll keep trying to get as close to that as possible. And it's something that you really never do truly touch. And get down to the physics on that of where there actually really ne never is yeah. the, t the actual touch. And so the whole thing is ab abstract. And but I'm madly in love with it. And I want to live my <laughs> life that way. Yeah. And, and what about um, if I truly believe that things can change, will I wake up to something different? I think that would go back to, to that, that same thing of, of manifesting the dream, create your own reality kind of situation. Uh, um, there's so much to be said about the, the mantra and intention and practicing things over and over in your head as far as how you want your reality to be sculpted, and it takes a lot of practice to, to do all of that. Presence, presence, presence. I'm here, I'm here. Where are you? Oh, I was thinking about the past. No, I'm here. No, I'm worried about the future. No, I'm here. You know, you have to, you have to keep on doing it, and, and you have to keep on believing in the bigger things, too. We're all told uh, through the media to, to have this, this cynicism or to, yeah. to think that we understand the universe more than we do. And it, 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 takes a, it takes a lot of strength to step out of that and say, I want to believe in something bigger and I want to have guts to, to, to have faith in, in, in that without having to argue with anybody about what that is. <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel like hope is... Um, and a rejection of cynicism is a huge theme that runs through y your music, r through Cloud Cult, and and it's not just in the lyrics. I think it's right. It's it's a, it's a presence, and it's a it's a spirit that uh, and the and the feeling, the joy, it's a hopefulness that kind of comes through the music, that transmits through the music. Um, it occurred to me that. You know, light chasing for you is a synonym for hope. That's true. Yeah, the whole the the light chasers album uh, was a, a figurative and literal journey. The whole story was about a crew that decides to take off and out into space and look for God, look for the light at the end of the tunnel, like physically go after it and look until they find it and. And in the end, all hope is gone, the fuel is gone, everything is, is spent, and, and there's nothing there. And it's not until that moment of surrender and ap apology, laying down all, all the, all the um, layers of the protective layers of the self, this ultimate moment of fragility, where love is able to come outside of the skin and then for that moment there's that connection and they see the light and they recognize 
was it always there? And did we have to travel through the universe to do it? And so there is there there is that hope, you know, of that those brief moments that we get to be in touch with that sort of power. You know, it's brief. But how can we practice to make that more prominent in our lives? How can we practice to make that more prominent as a culture and um, as a global family? And uh, the interesting, one of the interesting things about that whole journey out into space to find that light is that space is curved, as you know, and so the universe, instead of being a plane, can blow up like a balloon. And since there is no time on the energy level, you remove the facet of time. If you could look as far out as you possibly could to the end of the universe, quote unquote, end of the universe, you'd be looking over that entire curve. And if you remove time and you could see far enough, the farthest that you can possibly see would be the back of your head. <laughs> so you can search as far as you want to search and you can journey as far as you want to journey and you'll ultimately end up right here right now and that gives me hope yeah i also think we live in we live in this bizarre moment where we're inundated with the opposite of hope mm-hmm. um you know the terrible things happening in the world the the presidential election, the way um, that won't make it into the show, but um, <laughs> um, the uh, the way news is defined mm-hmm. and brought to us, and but I feel like hope is making a comeback. Mm. I feel like what you're talking about, the way you're talking about. A lot of us are, we're, we're just waking up to that. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of that thing, you know, that you said, we, we get to know it. Mm-hmm. We get to know it. All evidence to the contrary notwithstanding. Mm-hmm. And also to say that's not the only evidence that's out there. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of countercultural. It's, I don't know. I, I, I would totally agree. I, th- I think uh, it's, it's really difficult given the structure of the media, and you're gonna get big kudos here, but what you do with this program is huge. It's, it's not something, it, if there were more programs like this, then I think people would feel differently about humanity and the direction that things are going. But there's a, you know, it's probably a, a, a genetic thing that we're attracted to the negativity because back when we were mm-hmm. uh, hunters and gatherers, we had to be super, have our ear on the yeah. worst possible thing that could happen so you could protect yourself. But now people are attracted to that and so the media provides it. And uh, I, I agree, I, it seems like a, a, we are really blessed as a band because our supporters, are seekers and they come to shows with the with the with the masks down and with their hearts on the outside and and 
since they've gotten close to the albums, they, they feel comfortable with, with us as the band members, and so they come and they share their stories openly and quickly, you know, you don't have to have icebreakers and... Yeah. And that happens in our space too, I like bet. a different kind of yeah. space, but mm -hmm. the same... Yeah. Everybody okay? After all the, all the okay. years that you've had this program, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would yeah. bet that people are really open with you and sharing that, and the blessing that you probably see too is that you find out how gorgeous people are, that yeah. they, when, if they can talk about it yeah. openly and without protection, that just about anybody you can pick out on the street has a gorgeous interior. And we just, have to, we just have to keep working to peel those layers of skin off so that everybody can walk around in their gorgeousness. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's it. When we open up these spaces, Everybody's ready to come rushing in. Not everybody, but all my, you know, I don't, the Kardashians aren't with us, but, <laughs> <laughs> right? But, but most everybody else is, mm -hmm. is open to it, I, th I feel. I, th I think it's in the majority, in the strong, strong, yeah. strong majority. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so your new album is called The Seeker, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have to say, I do, hang on, I just want to say, I, I have a, Where's my clock? I, I know I'm supposed to know. Oh, there it is. So we're doing great, right? I can't see Chris. We're doing great. I'm not going to worry about this. We'll just go up a few, a few more minutes, and then here's some more music. Um, you, uh, you, you are becoming more and more a theologian. I don't know if you know that, but mm. if you don't, I'm telling you. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh <laughs> um, I mean, it was this, this song, The Great Unknown, on this album. And when does it come out? This week, right? Tomorrow. So none of yeah. you have heard it, but I have it in Dropbox. <laughs> so um, I have so many, just I have favorite lines in this one. Um, we were, and I think I transcribed them, so correct me if I, if I don't have every line right. We were made to walk through fire in our dance shoes. God gave us words. They were, I love you, please, and thank you. <laughs> God gave us thirst, and it's a hunger for the universe. God gave you feet so you could find your own way home. It's beautiful. Thank you. Uh, um, yeah, I, I, the, it's, it's called The Seeker uh, because that's what we're here to do. <laughs> I don't know what we'll find, but... Um, uh, yeah, it's, re it's really not about an individual. It's, a, it's sort of a story for humanity as a whole. And I feel like that we're on that, that, that crust, that, that era as a, as a people that we're waking up. We have the potential to wake up to a new age. We have the responsibility to wake up to a new age. Uh, there, there, there isn't any room for pessimism anymore. Mm. Time is limited, and uh, uh, so yeah, it's all on the table with this one as far as as far as lyrics go of, of trying to trying to wake myself and every any anybody around me up to the fact of hey, let's go be good people and do a good job. <laughs> you know you. Um that thing you said a minute ago, as 
I think that's a, a it's it's a really perceptive way to talk about. Um, we are riveted by the scary news, and because and our, we're hardwired to be riveted by the scary mm -hmm. news. Um, to be a seeker, you, I think you know there's a you have to be. Uh, you have to be choosing to be open to something scary that you don't know. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a, it's an evolution. Mm -hmm. I was, who, oh, we've done so many shows. We're, we're crazy producing right now. Oh, I have this. We have a brain surgeon on this week, and um, he talks about the baggage of evolution. Mm -hmm. um, we are actually seeing that we can even like shrink the the amygdala. Right, mm -hmm. the fight or flight place mm -hmm. in us. Um, but it just occurs to me that the, that that you know the seeker is actually like that word holds. It, it's it's so gentle in a way. It's so open. But it's a departure. Mm -hmm. That's very courageous. Yeah, I think it it doesn't it doesn't classify either. I. Uh, uh, I think you can be a part of any religion or a part of any um, spiritual pursuit and and be a seeker. And there are those, it's kind of a scale, you know. There are those that um, search a little or are just hungrier for it. And, but I see the evolutionary aspect as well. Uh, there's the, uh, uh, the Carl Sagan book. Um, where he talks about he talks about how if you walked into a room and then your father walked into the room right behind you and your grandfather walked into the room right behind you, how long it would take before you hit an ancestor who was down on all all fours, and he was discussing it on the on the level of of um, just evolution in general, but I was thinking about it in the context of, okay, what if that did happen? And ultimately what you end up with is, are, is about uh, 250,000 people, you know, your dad, your grandfather, your great-grandfather, all of them in there, a quarter of a million people. And represented in that, three million years of that would be hunter-gatherers, 10,000 years of that would be farmers. And depending on your family, for my family, it would just be the last two generations that haven't lived off the land. Mm -hmm. So you've got a quarter of a million people that are, you know, your direct lineage, that if they could all speak the same language, they'd all be able to sit down and talk about living off the land and jabber on and on and on, and it would just be me and my dad sitting there not knowing what to talk about. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so. There's so much that there's so much change that's happening right now, and we have to keep up with that spiritually. So the the the, the requirement to grow spiritually at the pace that we are growing technologically is is absolutely necessary. Yeah. Hence, good shows like yours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and hard. I um just just to, um. You know, I just want to come back to something I had in my notes, and I don't really know where it fits in here in the arc of this conversation, but you know, you said everybody's gorgeous, and everybody's also 
been hurt. And uh, those two things all at once. And um, you have this song, Blessings, in the Light Chasers album. I mean, the thing is, what you went through with Caden, I guess every parent, every night, my son is here tonight, he's 17, he's like a foot taller than me now. <laughs> he's a big, strong hockey player. And still, uh, you know, I go into his room in the middle of the night when he's come home mm. or first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. Worried, mm. is he okay, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And um, so that is this, uh, this universal experience. Um, and then, the, you know, the worst happened to you. But you have, new, you have more children now and you, you choose to get through the night to worry every night again, right? Um, and I just, there's something very beautiful and you, you have this and the Light Chasers album was after you it had kind of come out the other end of, mm -hmm. or, or I don't want to say come out the other end, but mm -hmm. walked through the grief, you know, mm -hmm. bless the children safe sleeping, bless the parents heart aching, bless the wakeless on their journey, travel safely, travel safely. We're the sleepless, always searching, light chasing, light chasing. Yeah, that one, it's interesting that you bring bring that one up in that context because that came, that line came in the middle of the night. We had, <clears throat> Nova was born at that point and there was so many sleepless nights where you you just almost couldn't let yourself fall asleep because you know, that PTSD is there. So we were both, Connie and I were both going through that and yeah, there was, <clears throat> there was an, an, a night that was... Uh, it was actually Caden's birthday, which is coincidentally tomorrow. Um, but there was a night when Nova was a newborn, and the next day was Caden's uh, birthday, and I we were both just so panicky and couldn't sleep. And in the middle of the night, that that line was was just there. And I give give thanks to to whatever it is that lays those kinds of things just there. You know, they're, they're gifts. And, and I, th uh, I think when I was younger and I heard people talk about, uh, artists talk about um, things not coming from themselves, it felt a little bit, felt a little pompous, like, oh, God's talking to you. Like, wow, you're so important. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but I think it's... I. I really feel that now, and I don't think it's me individually. I think everybody, everybody has that power to sit in silence or, or be in a moment and to hear things from. from again, we 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 know of two percent of the universe. There's ninety-eight percent now. Well, there's multiverses. This thing is huge. <laughs> the the uh, there, there's so much to be heard, and. And our bodies can be tools to, to, to hear that and put that out there. And all of us have the power to do that. And that line was a gift, wasn't from me. So um, I started asking this question recently when, I've, when I'm finishing an interview, um, how someone has, you know, how you have come through all the things that have happened to you through this life you've lived, through you've had to, how you've 
come to think about what it means to be human, which is obviously an enormous question. And so it's just like, how would you begin to talk about that? I, I did want to read again, I read you back to yourself, some beautiful lines that seem to me to start speaking to that um, from Through the Ages. I'm done being stupid and worried and dramatic. I lay down my every disguise. So if ever I can't see the magic around me, please take my hands off my eyes. It's a wonderful thing we should all ask the people who love us to do. Please take my hands off my eyes. I don't know where we're from, but we came here to be. We came here to be courageous. What would you add in terms of um, what you're learning about what it means to be human? Looking back at, at the, the evolutionary discussion that we had earlier, if you continue to trace that lineage all the way back to the creation of life, us going back three million years to being on all fours, that's 1% of geologic time. There's so much more that's before that, and there's so much more before the creation of the Earth. And who knows how many cycles the universe has gone through to get to the point that we're at right now. But now we're here, and we, have, we are incredibly advanced organisms who are not grasping our potential. And we have to be courageous about, about laying down our insecurities and our, our fears and uh, in order to get to the point that we can really embrace that energy in us. We, there was, a, <clears throat> there was a, a fact that I read, all of physical matter, as we know, is generated or is made of energy and all of physical matter can be converted back into energy and it takes a tremendous amount of energy to make the smallest particle of matter. And so in the average human body, there's seven times 10 to the 18th power joules of energy. And that translates into 30 hydrogen bombs. This, just this physical body right here, the energy in it is equivalent to 30 hydrogen bombs. I have right now, and that's my only guarantee. I, I, I don't know about tomorrow, but I have right now and I've got this power, what am I going to do with it? Hmm. <laughs> okay, Craig Minoa, thank you so much. Thank you so much for Cloud Cult for being here, and this is not over. We're going to hear some more music. Um, so here we go. I'm leaving. Thank you, Krista. See you later. Thank yeah. you so much.
Forward, step forward, and if you don't believe in. 
circle so I can kick me in the pants. There's a reason God is dog backwards. We must chase the tail. The truth is my invention refuses to go backwards. A tiny glitch I'm sure to figure out. But I can ride on the moment, slowly time traveling forward. So the next destination is always right now. Boy! I finally solved the puzzle of my time machine invention. You see, in the future, this present is the past. So if you give this moment your fullest attention, we'll just keep going forward, but no need for going back.